Thank you to Sideways 8 for sponsoring this podcast. From Susan G. Komen, this is Real Pink, a podcast exploring real stories, struggles, and triumphs related to breast cancer. We're taking the conversation from the doctor's office to your living room. When someone has breast cancer, it's scary for them and you. What can you do to really help? What can you say? Is it better to just listen? There are as many ways of being a good co-survivor as there are people. The qualifications, a willingness to be yourself and be present. Today's guest describes herself as an enthusiastic optimist. Being first diagnosed with breast cancer just weeks after learning she was pregnant, Heidi Floyd was in a unique position of knowing what was ahead since she had lost her own mother to breast cancer at a young age. Today, Heidi uses her experiences to share and help others. Heidi is a speaker, author, and advocate for those affected by breast cancer. Heidi, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. This is very exciting. I am excited to chat with you. Can you can you give us just a little bit more information about your story? I'd like to hear a little bit more about you. So all I had known about breast cancer previous to my own diagnosis was what I had gone through with my mom. Uh, so I lost her when I had just started college. And for me, that situation was very unique in that you know, I was like, I was a kid and I felt utterly hopeless. And all I could do was watch her go back and forth to treatment and kind of go through that situation. And I was powerless to help other than driving her or helping her, you know, go to the restroom or or come back. Like that was it. That was all I could do. Afterwards, when we lost her, I was desperate to do anything. And so I did runs and walks and bought yogurt and licked the lids and mailed them back. I did everything I could think of. If it had a pink ribbon on it, I would save up enough money to buy it, thinking that it would help somebody somewhere out in the stratosphere without actually knowing. And so that's kind of, that was my commitment. I I did what I thought I, I knew what I was doing, but I had no idea where the money was going, nothing. And then when I was diagnosed myself, I was utterly floored because I had done what I thought we were all supposed to do, right? No smoking, eat healthy, exercise, you know, don't drink to excess, nurse your children. You know, I had three um, young children. I had nursed them all. I did what I thought I was supposed to do. Um, And so when I was diagnosed in my 30s and pregnant, I thought, well, I obeyed all the rules. Like what's going on? And so for me, it was, it was just terrifying, you know, because when they went in and did kind of the exploratory surgery, the the lumpectomy to remove the lump, they found that I didn't have just one little tumor, which is the one that I felt. And and so when you're, when you're pregnant, you can't have a, um, a mammogram. I actually felt this tumor myself. It was very small, but underneath of that was a nest of tumors that I could not have felt. So not only was it bad, but it was really bad. And it was aggressive stage 3B cancer. So for me, this was this was just a whole new world that I was not prepared for. And all I had known about it was, you know, as my mom went through chemotherapy, the, the devastating effects. And so um, the first doctor that I connected with, actually, I, I went through a kind of a, a litany of doctors. The first group that I connected with assured me that due to the the foundation of my cancer, if you will. So it was fed by estrogen. And when you're pregnant, your body produces a lot of estrogen. So that, that, that which was helping my baby was also unfortunately helping my cancer. And so because of the the aggressive nature of my cancer. And I had just learned I was pregnant. The The doctors thought it would be wisest for me just to terminate my pregnancy so they could go at it really aggressively. And I thought that's, you know, if we're going to talk about choice, then for me, mine is I, I want to keep this this baby. So it took me a while, but I found a doctor who knew how he was a he was a clinician and a researcher. So he spent time in the lab and with patients. So he knew that he could um, take care of both of us at the same time. And he assured me, you know, from the time we lost your mom to now, we've made radical progress. You know, we 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 now have medications that will keep um, people, you know, their white blood cell count up when they're 
diagnosed and going through treatment and, and they won't be nauseous and they won't lose their hair. He said, of course, you can't have any of that because you're pregnant. <laughs> 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 but you can have the chemo. Um, and it was aggressive. You know, they treated me aggressively, but he knew because of his research what would and would not cross the placental barrier. So he knew what medications were safe for me and the baby. We went the entire second and third trimester all the way through getting chemo the entire the entire ride. Wow. That is, in, I can't even imagine how intense, I mean, pregnancy is intense and chemo is intense doing yeah. both at the same time. I just, I can't, I genuinely yeah. cannot imagine. <laughs> There's wow. no, people talk about like morning sickness. There's no morning sickness like that. I can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, so tell us a little bit, let's talk just a little bit about supporting. You've played the role of being the supporter You've mm -hmm. been in the role of needing to be supported. Can you kind of give us an overview or some ideas of like how people can offer support? Like what can they say? How do they listen? Like what's what's helpful in those situations? Oh, gosh, I have I'm I'm actually out on LinkedIn and I have a list, literally a giant list of things that you can do. The easiest thing when you get up in the morning and get out of bed think about every step you take, every every procedure you do, everything you do, and think about what it would be like to be someone going through chemotherapy or radiation. So do you get up in the morning and um, walk your dog? Well, someone that you love might not be able to do that. So even if you're not in the house with them, might you offer to take care of their pets for them? Because a lot of people, pets are a great resource and, and, and helpful aid when it comes to like the mental health of someone going through cancer. Right. Like if they, if they know that their pets are being taken care of, that will help them because they're being loved and nurtured. Same rule applies for every family member. If you have children, um, it's difficult when you're a parent going through cancer because you have little one. If you have little ones, you only want someone you trust to be around them because you right. love them so fiercely. Right. But they 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 need that break too. You know, even if your kids are like toddlers or in elementary school. They need to be able to just get away from the world of cancer that exists in their home. They need to be able to go go to the movies, go to the aquarium, go to the museum, just go to the park. Um, you know, it doesn't even have to cost money. If it's if you are someone that the mom or dad trusts and loves, offer to take their children for an afternoon, and then when they come home, bring dinner for the whole family. You know, so the basics that everyone thinks of. Gosh, I can make a lasagna because everybody makes lasagna. Do it. Make them a meal. Mow their lawn. You know, shovel their snow. Take care of their pets. You know, if they have a nice front porch, make sure that their pots are taken care of with flowers and things like that because they won't have the energy to do it. So everything that you do during the day, someone needs help with when they so, have cancer. So just kind of little chores, really. Any any Absolutely. little Absolutely. And if that's not your thing, like if you know, cleaning the bathtub isn't something you do. Well, you know what? Maybe you can write a check to pay a cleaning service to come in and do that. Very easy. Absolutely. That's amazing. I, I love that advice. And, and what, you know, what's one piece of advice you'd give to a family member or someone that was maybe just diagnosed with breast cancer? It's kind of like the, the, the Winnie the Pooh quote, you're stronger than you think you are. Um, for the person being diagnosed, it, it's going to be hard. There are days that it, you will just want to stay on the bathroom floor all day. And if you have to, do it. There's no shame in this. You haven't done one thing to deserve this. You, you, you did not cause this cancer to come inside of your body. If you have breast cancer, that's how it is. So don't whisper about it. Don't be ashamed about it. Don't be ashamed to have a bald head and no hair on your face. It, it doesn't matter. What matters is you fighting through and, and, and being as strong as you can. And also to know that those of us that don't get to live past a certain age, that doesn't mean that they were defeated or that cancer won. In my mind, my mom, even though she died in her early 40s, she still beat cancer. 
because she lived a very good life. You, you know, there's there's hope in the fact that you don't have to be a perfectly healthy, normal person because your normal will never come back. Your body will never be the same. Just just know that living the very best life you have with the moments you have, that's that's what matters. And as far as caregiving is concerned, be extra compassionate. People, when they're feeling really not well, will, um, you know, they'll be short-tempered, they'll be angry, they'll be, they'll be exhausted. And that's not even an appropriate word. Like this, the only word that the English language has to offer us is just sheer exhaustion. They can't, they can't tell you that sometimes, but just know that you're going to have to be extraordinarily patient for a few months and they might rebound, but just keep giving as much grace as you can. Right. Wow. That's that's really fantastic advice uh, and, and a little humbling to hear on this side of things. Um, so, you know, breast cancer, is it's a tough subject. It brings up a lot of tough subjects around it. Can you give some advice on how people might begin to discuss those tough subjects when they're diagnosed with breast cancer and, and, and talk about things that are difficult for them? I think being able to reveal yourself, like I said, first of all, get rid of any stigma of shame that you might have, um, because even if even if you did smoke, you know, what I mean, this isn't you didn't ask for this, you know, what I mean, so I'm talking about like lung cancer. Some people think that certain types of cancer, you've done something to deserve that. We don't have time for stupid, so like let's all let all that go and let's be more healthy within our own space. So if you are a patient learning to say things like, I, I do need help. Uh, um, like be completely candid with people when they say, gosh, let me know if I can do anything to help. Realize that some people really mean that. So say things like, gosh, you know what? I, I really need help. I can't, I couldn't shovel my driveway because I live in the North and it's December. I really need help with that. Or gosh, you know, you're an accountant and I'm struggling right now because the bills are overwhelming and I need some sort of financial advice. Reach out to people and let them know what's going on. Just be completely candid. And with with your children or with your spouse, be as honest as you can with that level. So if you've got a five-year-old, you don't want to talk about death incessantly. You know what I mean? But you can let them know. You know how sometimes if you if you want to take a nap and you're a little bit grumpy, mom's going to be like that a lot. But that doesn't mean that she doesn't love you every second, even when she's a little bit grumpy. So just be patient and come back and come sing her a song like she used to do for you. Like just kind of put it at their level and let them know that you still adore them, even though you might be a little bit tired. Right. Oh, I love that. That's, that's really, really helpful information. And, and I love how you you know, how you preface that, you know, like you're, you're, you don't, this is nothing to be ashamed of. You didn't, yes. you know, this isn't something that you brought upon yourself. Right. Yep. And that's, yep, I think exactly. that's really critical to, to sort of own. And that's, and that's really helpful. I think from, from both sides of it, right. From the, from the person Agreed. that's struggling and, and from the loved one side of it as well. So to expand on that just a little bit more, what's, what's some, are some of the best ways that we can sort of stay honest, keep communication open and honest as sort of we're going through this process, you know, both the person that's struggling with the cancer and the people that are supporting. Can you have any advice on that as well? Sure. Um, we're going to focus on the people who are supporting right now. So just be aware of what might be going on. They might be trying to hide things from you. Like the biggest thing that I've seen when, when people in my cancer community reach out to me is that they're struggling with finances. And that's like deep-seated shame. Like they won't, they won't get their radiation this week because they have to pay rent. Like just know that that kind of cloud is hovering over them. And if they're too proud, if you will, to say anything, then just know that, gosh, they could really use a $100 gift card to the grocery store, that they can do some, and now we're at the point where you can get your groceries online. So give them, you don't even have to leave your house, you can Amazon gift card it over and they can get Amazon Prime, have the groceries 
delivered so that no one has to leave their house. And yet, you know, that just by doing that, um, that will help them not have to worry about do I get my medication? Or do I pay the light bill, you know, things like that. So and as far as being a patient is concerned, it's the same thing. You don't have to ask for help because people will be coming to you asking how they can help. So it's not like you're going out soliciting it. All you're doing is responding to people and you're allowing them to give something. So if you're in the person, if you're in the, if you're just in the community, you're not the immediate caregiver, but you're like a friend and you want to help, you feel handcuffed because you want to do something and you don't know. As the patient, just know that you're allowing them to be philanthropic, to be generous, to help feel like they're doing something because they're suffering too in a very small way. They want to help you. They love you. Let them. Just find a way to let them do it. But don't don't hog that all onto yourself. You know what I mean? Don't be selfish with your needs. Let other people, you know, find a way to to give you grace. I love I love your approach. It sounds to me like you really look at this as sort of a, a community overcoming together, you know, a, a cloud of people, as it were. And uh, oh gosh, yeah, I love that. It's a beautiful, yeah. beautiful image. It's the only way we can make it, you know, as a as as an entire community. I've learned everything I know from from my experience and my growing up. And I'm also a I'm a person of faith, and so I looked at, and I don't mean that by like religion, we hate you kind of thing, but I look at. Like biblically, Jesus did everything with a cloud of people. He was never like, okay, you are just going to do this by yourself. He's like, no, 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 we need, we've got 5,000 people here. We got to feed them together. That's kind of how I look at it. Let's all do it together. Yeah, it's a, it's a community endeavor. I, I, I like things that are done in community. I think there's a beauty in that for sure. Uh, well, this, this has been great. Uh, just last question. If there's someone listening to the program that needs to talk or needs help, do you have sort of any, any advice for first steps for them? Sure. Um, so for me, there are a lot of resources out there, and it depends if you if we're looking specifically, um, you know, at breast cancer. I think going to look at the Susan G. Komen website, CDC, you know, Centers for Disease Control. If you want to know specific things about like your region and that diagnosis, you can. Um, but there are just a myriad of ways to to connect with your community. If you are if you're like me, if you're pregnant, diagnosed while you're pregnant, social media is a huge way to connect. Um, just don't be alone. Stay connected. And they're, they're closed groups, so you could be as candid as you want to. You could be as open and honest as you want to. And, you know, your next-door neighbor is not going to know it unless she happens to be diagnosed while pregnant as well. So it's a safe place. Find your safe place. Find your group. Find your tribe and stay in it. I really like what you said there. You said don't be alone. And, it said, yeah. and, and from everything we've talked about today and all the stories that you shared, that's kind of what sort, sort, of, sort of reverberates in everything. It's just mm-hmm. don't be alone allow people to help, allow people to come in, allow people to be a part of your world. And, yep. and you can, you can overcome together instead of yep. alone. Right. And, and, and that goes on. So kind of what we've been focusing on right now is the, the chemo and the radiation part, but six months after, you know, when your hair starts to come back or a year after, and you're on this continuing medication for years and years, you still need your group. I mean, you still should go to, you know, as many summits or cancer conventions as you can so that you realize, oh my gosh, I'm not the only one who has this happening. I'm not the only one who's going through this. Um, and again, it's the same, you know, the same groups are scholarships and grants out there. Stay with your community as, as long as you're comfortable. I mean, if you feel like you're healthy and fine and you want to move on, that's fine. But we're, we're always still here should you need to jump back in that's great well Heidi this has been truly inspiring uh your story is amazing I really appreciate you taking the time uh, to join me on the show my pleasure thank you so much for having me I hope somebody out there has helped 
I, I certainly hope so as well. And, and for those that are listening, if you're interested in becoming more involved in the fight against breast cancer, please make sure to visit Komen.org, uh, connect with your local Susan G. Komen affiliate, or walk with us at an upcoming Susan G. Komen event in your area. Thanks for listening to Real Pink, a weekly podcast by Susan G. Komen. For more episodes, visit realpink.komen.org. And for more on breast cancer, visit komen.org. Make sure to check out at Susan G. Komen on social media. I'm your host, Adam. You can find me on Twitter at AJ Walker or on my blog, adamjwalker.com. Thank you to Sideways 8 for sponsoring this podcast. We all want to break through the noise on the internet and stand out. Sideways 8 is a digital agency on a mission to improve communication through marketing. Whether they're working with tech companies or national nonprofits, Sideways 8 helps you showcase your value while making it easy for people to find you. Sideways 8 services include website design and development, website care plans, digital marketing strategy, branding and messaging, SEO, pay-per-click advertising, and more. To learn more about highlighting the work your organization is doing, head to sideways8.com slash Komen. That's S-I-D-E-W-A-Y-S, the number 8, dot com slash Komen.